Jewel Radio presents What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler. Women positive news you can use. Hello, everyone. I'm Kate Wheeler, and I am here with Christine Bentley, and you're listening to What She Said, brought to you by Roar Publishing, from concept to content. Well, back pain, nausea, loss of appetite and fatigue are all symptoms of a cold and flu. But did you know that these symptoms are also common signs of pancreatic cancer. Michael Musi from the hit show Kim's Convenience has teamed up with Pancreatic Cancer Canada to raise awareness about this disease, which he lost his mother to in 2013. So he's going to be here tonight to talk about how assumptions can literally be deadly. Mm-hmm. Now, she's planned lavish parties for Cadillac Fairview, Dragon's Den, and even the Bieber family. Monica Gomez from Toronto's Concierge Club is no stranger to a notable party, and she's going to give us some tips on how to plan the ultimate cocktail party as we kick into full holiday mode, and this is something you should be extremely interested in. I should be? Yeah. Okay. Are you going to tell me why? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, we will be discussing the innovation and productivity challenges in Canada and how to fix them with Heather Fraser, the founder and CEO of VUCA Innovation and a professor of business design at the Rotman School of Management. Musicologist Eric Alper is talking about the longest song titles ever in On the Record. And registered dietitian Angela Wallace is talking about healthy alternatives to sugar. (laughs) Yeah, we got to cut down on the sugar. Everybody needs to cut down on the sugar. It's everywhere. It's well, everywhere. A, a healthy alternatives is fine, but what about the cravings? Mm. Oh, I, th- I think I think it works for me. If I don't even have a taste, then yeah. I don't want it. So you yeah. got to cut it out completely. Yep. And performing in tonight's live studio sessions, we have the wonderful Skylar London, a pop artist from, well, you guessed it, London, Ontario. We are also giving away family four packs. To see Ross Petty's A Christmas Carol at the Elgin Theatre in Toronto on Wednesday, November 29th at 7 p.m. So just go to whatshesaidtalk.com to enter. Don't forget to join What She Said Wednesdays on Facebook Live at 10 a.m. if you haven't already done so. Mm -hmm. And share because you will be eligible to win some fantastic prizes before Christmas. You can turn on notifications on Facebook. If you go to our page and you go up to the top bar where it says, you know, like our page, next to it is following. And if you hit the little drop down menu on following, there's a little place where it says notifications events. If you turn that on, then you will be notified when we are up live and giving away all these lovely bundles of great gifts from our guests, books, CDs, music, Bluetooth things, things to do with wine. I have to go into my closet, my secret closet. Oh, have you got some stuff to add? Oh, yes, I do. Okay, excellent. What she said will be back after this very short break talking about innovation challenges in Canada. So stay with us. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? To a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. 
Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy to use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30 day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Joining us now is a woman who says there is a critical need to change the thinking and approach to innovation in Canada. Please welcome the founder and CEO of VUCA Innovation and the author behind Design Works, Heather Fraser, to what she said. Thank you. So you're an expert on helping enterprises and businesses build their innovation capacity from the ground up. First of all, tell us what innovation capacity is. Everybody knows now that innovation is critical for survival in the long term. Um, it's not something that's a risk. It's, it's actually quite essential. And building innovation capacity is about preparing an organization to really move forward on a sustained basis and, and innovate on an ongoing basis, not just one-offs here and there. So it's really preparing the enterprise to be capable from top to bottom, from strategy to systems, on moving new value into the marketplace on an ongoing basis. You say that Canada is a country where we have plenty of great ideas, but we register chronically low in terms of tangible concepts or outputs. Uh, tell us about that. That's true. I th if you look at the greater world of innovation and you look at what is happening around the world and what is happening in the U.S. in particular and, and Asia, um, there's a very high rate of innovation, and it's because there is a commitment of resources and time uh, in building skills and in, in establishing companies that can be more effective in, in um, uh, getting innovations into the marketplace. Uh, there's also, at a corporate level globally, there's always a commitment to uh, supporting those kinds of initiatives. Unfortunately, what happens in Canada, I believe, is that there's a shortage of resources, both in terms of manpower and financial resources to really skill up and, and transform organizations. And secondly, they often don't have the latitude to go off and create new ideas. Um, so it's a bit constricted in Canada, and Canada is generally operating at a lower rate of innovation than the rest of the world in many cases. So what are some of the most innovation-challenged industries, would you say? Well, there's many. You, you can look at innovation in, um, and in two categories. One is the newer companies, uh, the digital companies, the technology companies in particular, or any of the new companies that have emerged in the last couple of decades. They, they tend to have innovation more baked into their DNA. That's how they came about in the first place. If you look at uh, the older, more established organizations for um, – for example, GE or any of the large corporations, they have been successful because they have built systems that have allowed them to scale, to be productive, to be efficient, but they eventually hit the wall. And in a highly established corporation or organization, it is more difficult to change old ways than it is for these newer ones. Um, the other thing is in the in the public sector, of course, <laughs> there's a lot of innovation challenges. Education uh, is broken in many people's mind. Healthcare is a mm. wicked problem that people are trying to sort through. So, big, large public systems are also 
highly challenged from an innovation standpoint. And then, and then of course, there's other industries that have just suffered from globalization. For example, manufacturing in Canada, uh, they really have to rethink what their what their purpose is, given that you can get a much less expensive product out mm -hmm. of China than you can out of Ontario, for example. Is this something that you find the government is ignoring or business leaders are ignoring? I mean, what do we need to do to attain a culture of innovation and implementation and not fall behind as we are? Well, I don't think that anybody is necessarily ignoring it. In fact, everybody's, I think this is keeping people up at night. Uh, it clearly is a top priority. And um, in in Canada, for example, and, and elsewhere in the world, there are a few things that people are doing with good intentions that just aren't enough. Uh, there's maybe a few ways that people can approach innovation and how to step that up. One is to outsource it. So we can't figure it out, so we'll give it to somebody else on the outside. Well, that's not a good idea because, A, it's going to cost you millions of dollars, and, B, it's probably not going to plug back into your operations. This bigger idea arrives on your doorstep, and then you don't know what to do with it. Mm -hmm. Uh, the second thing that has been a big trend, and there's a lot of investment in this area, is setting up innovation labs. Uh, hundreds and hundreds of innovation labs set up all over the world and across Canada. The problem with those is they're often disconnected from the rest of the organization. Uh, you know, people often say, I don't know what really happens in that lab. What are those people doing over there? Um, they're, not, they're not tapped into the rest of the organization in terms of connection to people, connection to business. And sadly, they often don't have a business case behind them. So they're, uh, they might be exploring new ideas, but the question is how does that actually create enterprise value and plug back in? So, so labs has been a big trend. Then the other huge trend all over the world, um, and especially in North America and Asia, I would say, is design thinking. So design thinking was the way to unleash new ideas and get people thinking about the human factor, which is fantastic, very important part of it. Problem with that is many organizations are thinking the answer is to send people to a boot camp. So let's send them to a three-day boot camp, get them to do a little prototyping and listening to consumer stories, and then at the end of it, they're in such a generative mode, they got hundreds and hundreds of ideas and piles of sticky notes everywhere, but again, they don't plug back into the business. So uh, so between labs and design thinking, I think they're all good experiments, but they really aren't connecting back to what this, the business needs to do. So, so there's a number of things you need to do in order to make those things work. And it's not that people aren't taking it seriously. I think they're just a bit lost in the early stages of experimentation. So then what are some strategies that, that people in various industries can use for attaining a culture of innovation and implementation? Well, when you look at the most successful companies in the world, the ones that despite their ups and downs, they survive and they thrive long term, they do, uh, they do a few critical things. One is you got to have a strategy. You have to understand what is the purpose of your enterprise and what is your strategy to get there without being anchored in that, like many of the labs are not. Um, you can go off in tangents. So you need a strategy. The second thing is you got to work across disciplines and, and functions within an organization. Oftentimes, um, uh, people are in their department coming up with ideas, and you really, you really can't deliver an idea unless you work across functions. You need to have manufacturing or technology and HR and marketing and all of the different groups that are within a company. You need to have them working 
together because they'll come up with better solutions, but they'll also be more ready to to activate them and actually put them into action. The other thing that that companies can do is to uh, really think deeply about their customer, not just how many products they bought, not just looking at the market research reports, but really Mm. getting out with customers and understanding what is it that's important to them and who are they as whole people, not just consumers of a product or service. So customer focus focus is important. The, uh, The next critical thing would be to be able to explore and experiment with new ideas, uh, oftentimes outside of what you do today. So you make bottles of shampoo, but maybe you need to have a salon. Um, and thinking out of that uh, that kind of narrow focus on the doable tasks and thinking more broadly about what is going to really delight your consumer. And, and all of those things all start to change the behaviors of an organization, beha- mm-hmm. the way they interact with each other, the way they get their work done. Um, But the last and most important thing that every organization has to do is to stop and think about what is it that we do now and what are these ingrained processes and structures that we have in place that are holding us back. If you have an idea that's outside of your current set, take the bottle of shampoo and Mm -hmm. the salon, um, it's never going to fit into your go-to-market system you have to stop and think about the way you do work and is it the right way to do work? Will that help or will that hinder new ideas in getting out? So your book, Design Works, How to Tackle Your Toughest Innovation Challenges Through Business Design is out now. So where can people find you online to learn more about this and, and get the book? Uh, so Amazon, any of the books. If you just Google Google Design Works, how to Tackle mm-hmm. your toughest innovation challenges. You'll find you'll find it. Uh, I'm also working on a second edition right now because that was wor- that was based on seven years of research and work and practice at the Rotman School of Management, um, and that was five years ago. Yeah. Uh, since then, I've become more passionate about these other things that can't <laughs> be ignored, like the systems, the strategy, and and all the other parts that need to come together, and um, and the very critical role of being inclusive in the innovation process and really driving this throughout the whole organization. So as a result of that, I am now about to publish uh, the second edition. I thought the world doesn't need another new book. What they need is a step up from the last one. So this will be a more robust uh, version of the first book that looks at the analytics and implications of strategy and enterprise engagement to really think about how do you look at the whole enterprise and transition it, because that is not an easy task for a large established company. All right. And um, it's VUCA, V-U-K-A, innovation is the website, dot com? Yes. Okay. Heather Fraser, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank you. This is what she said. Stay with us. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. 
Fashion is everything when it comes to hair, so trust your hair to an artist. Jason Kearns of Kearns & Co. is known across North America for making the hottest high fashion looks work for real people. Jason and his team of expert stylists bring together creativity, vision, and the very latest hair care systems, color, and products to create looks that have heads turning. Your hair is the most important fashion accessory you will ever own. Trust it to the experts. Start today. Visit kernsandco.com. What She Said is more than women-positive news. First, it's a radio show on the Jewel Network with a dedicated and growing audience of affluent men and women aged 35+. plus. But What She Said is also a digital platform with thousands of followers, the ideal target market for your brand. What She Said features companies and trendsetters, those on the leading edge of fashion, business, lifestyle, entertainment, travel, technology, and finance. Get your brand on What She Said and get results. Go to whatshesaidtalk.com. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. Welcome back. Back pain, nausea, loss of appetite, fatigue, these are all symptoms of just a cold and flu, right? Well, wrong. Did you also know that these symptoms are common signs of pancreatic cancer? Not many people do. Joining us tonight is Michael Moosey from the hit show Kim's Convenience, who says assumptions can be deadly. Welcome to what she said. Thank you for having me. As cold and flu season approaches, you have teamed up with Pancreatic Cancer Canada to raise some awareness about this disease, which you lost your mother to in 2013. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I lost my father to, actually, in 2012. Mm -hmm. So tell us what happened. Well, um, we took a trip to Greece. Uh, My family's Greek, and we've always talked about going to Greece to visit Mm -hmm. our homeland. And uh, we finally did it. And I got there the day before, and then my mom arrived the day after, and she started feeling a little, she was just feeling a little weird, a little off. Um, she threw up. We were like, what's going on? And she said, you know, maybe it was the flight. Maybe yeah. I caught a bug. As you said, the symptoms are very similar to a flu, right? She mm-hmm. had, um, she's always struggled with back pain, but she um, did, uh, you know, indigestion and some some abdominal pain. And, um, and so we just kind of thought, you know, she's getting sick. It's really unfortunate. We're on this amazing family trip, and she's sick. Uh, and then near the end of the trip, we started noticing that um, her skin was getting yellow. And we were like, what is going on? And, you know, How, we, what, what was the time span? Oh, God, like a week? A week? Yeah. Her skin started, okay. Yeah, it started turning yellow. And that's when we started asking, like, what's up? Like, what, what else is going on? And she started telling us that her stool was really light. And we're like, well, how light can it be? And she said, like, beige, like light beige. And we're like, that's not really mm. normal. But, of course... We never traveling. traveling, you know, we were eating different food and, exactly. and all that. Exactly. She's healthy, non-smoker, oh, the, non-smoker. She runner. would have Oh, she was literally the epitome of health. Everything was natural. It it, it almost makes it, it 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 makes no sense. It makes no sense for someone to to get cancer when you're such a healthy person and um so we our minds obviously didn't go there until of course we got that diagnosis um which was on the last day of Greece they told my father we didn't tell my mom we rushed her to a hospital uh, back in Montreal uh where they told us 
Um, and my sister and I moved to Montreal to be with her for the uh, seven and a half months uh, before she died. That quick. Mm-hmm. Very quick. Very, very quick. And I, that's and she's she's considered to have had a, a long um, you know, time to deal with the, the the illness. A lot of people, as you were telling me before, you know, sometimes it's only about three weeks or one week or two weeks. Well, it's, my yeah, my dad didn't feel well and, and brought him in and he was diagnosed and still had no pain until the last four days. That's right. And we all we always assume what you hear when you do Doctor Google totally. is that pancreatic cancer is terribly painful. Mm-hmm. But he had nothing. No. So since that happened, you've been sort of fighting the good fight to raise awareness about this. I've been trying to, yeah. We started a company called Accessorize for Awareness shortly after where we were making bracelets and selling them for $5 a piece. Uh, but it was one of those things that just, uh, you know, as you're grieving, you, it's, it was a constant reminder that, you know, we lost our mom and it was getting harder and harder. So we stopped it. And a couple of months ago, I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I how am I not helping this cause? And so I just uh, reached out to Michelle at Pancreatic Cancer and I was like, listen, I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a huge name or anything, but I'm on TV and I have friends that are way more successful than I am. Use me. Let me do something. I want to help. And she was like, let's meet. And here we are. And here we are. So let's, well then, let's talk about some of the symptoms and and let's raise awareness because, Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you... You couldn't tell with your mother, but you didn't know. Have you learned anything that can help the rest of us since that? Um, What I've learned is that, um, as we talked about, the symptoms are so similar to to a flu and kind of just these common things that we experience. But it's the combination of those things that we need to... I was just going to say that, yeah. I mean, if you're... you're, if you're experiencing abdominal pain and it's not going away, or that back pain that's not going away, and um, and your face is yellow, and your face, and your stool is beige. Unfortunately, when your face is yellow and your stool is beige, <laughs> it's probably too late. Is the oh, problem, and oh. that's what's the scariest part of this disease. Is that, I mean, it has a 93% uh, mortality rate, which is the highest of any cancer out there, and it receives less than two percent of cancer funding, um, and so you know, it's just it's at this point it feels like it's a hopeless you know, uh, cause. But the thing is, is that without the research, without the money going towards this, how are we ever going to get those rates up, th- those stats well, Michael, up, right? Michael, let me ask you, if you are diagnosed early, mm-hmm. if if you're not turning yellow, it's not too late. Right. So you, you've got these flu symptoms or, and we want to go through the symptoms. Totally. But, and you go to your doctor, is it treatable? I mean, it is, but again, it has a 93% surf, uh, a mortality rate. So yeah, there are the 7% that when caught early, you have, you know, can survive past the five-year mark, but it's still not good. I mean, it's not high enough. And and like I said, it's the highest mortality rate of any cancer. So yes, of course, there are some great people that we have spoken to who have survived 10, 15 years, but it's so unheard of uh, for the most part that it's hard to kind of really be hopeful about it, right? And there's no standard diagnostic test. There's right? not, no. I mean, you know, they do the CT scans and and um, and they find it when they find it. But usually the, the problem is, is that when it gets to that point, it's probably too late because, um, yeah. So I, uh, what I'm hearing here, what I'm thinking is, because we were talking about this earlier, about, you know, flu symptoms, you don't want to trot into your doctor with flu symptoms because they're busy. Mm-hmm. And so do you? Do we need to become advocates for ourselves to say, no, no, I want you to check me because this could be because a GP who's seen 25 people before you who mm-hmm. have the flu mm-hmm. may not necessarily send you up for 
Of course. And I don't think, and the thing that we, we don't want to scare people into thinking that the second that they have some abdominal pain and some back pain that they probably have pancreatic cancer. That's obviously not what we want to do, but we want people to just be aware of the fact that these are the symptoms that we know at the moment. I hope with more research, we will know more, but at, this is what we have at the moment. And with better education for these doctors to understand, these GPs to understand what it really is, um, that is, you know, what, what the signs are for pancreatic cancer, maybe they can have, uh, you know, some more insight into mm-hmm. it, it, when they treat a patient to, to be able to tell, you know what, maybe this is something a little bit more serious and maybe they should get some scans because our minds never go there because we don't know enough about it. What are the factors that increase our risk mm-hmm. for it? Again, unfortunately, we don't know enough about the disease. So, you know, when my mom walked in, they asked her if she was a smoker. She wasn't. They asked her if she was a heavy drinker. She wasn't. They asked her uh, if her eating habits were terrible. They weren't. So when I, I remember when my mom got sick, we did one of those online quizzes on, on, a, on, a, on an American pancreatic cancer site to see how likely you are to develop pancreatic cancer. And she was in like the 0% of people that can develop it. Wow. But here we are, right? She was 52 years old. And she died of uh, she died of pancreatic cancer seven months after diagnosis. So it really can happen to anybody. Is it? Does it run in families? I mean, what do we know? Yeah, it does. It does run in families. That is, uh, you know, some, sometimes. Um, but again, there's no, there's not enough evidence to back it up. So yeah, there are families that you know it gets passed on, but we don't know why and we don't know how. So don't assume it's a flu that won't go away. Back pain, nausea, and fatigue all signs, mm-hmm. right? Better outcomes. Would come with early detection. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also unexplained weight loss, the jaundice we talked about, mm-hmm. loss of appetite, indigestion, which mm-hmm. your, your your mom had, yeah. changes in stool. We talked about the two and and new onset diabetes. Yeah, that's connected too. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because the pancreas is what produces the insulin. Exactly. Okay. All right. So that's a uh, that's a connection. So the sooner you are diagnosed, the sooner you can receive treatment, and the surgery can be life saving. Totally. Yeah. Um, so it. for anyone, I guess, who's had it in their family, mm-hmm. like you and I, mm-hmm. <laughs> we should. Uh, where can we learn more about it? Well, I think the best thing you can do at the at the moment, we have this amazing campaign called "Assumptions Can Be Deadly" right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's uh, that's really going around all of social media. So, what we're we're encouraging people to go on that site. It's assumptionscanbedeadly.ca. You can also go to World Pancreatic Cancer. Um, uh, worldpancreaticcancerday.org there's lots of information on on treatment plans and and what to do uh you know what to look out for and all the things that we've pretty much discussed right now um and uh you can also go on my twitter michael Musi at mm-hmm. michael Musi. i've been posting uh, non-stop this month i will continue to post uh, i'm doing what i can to help raise awareness and funds and, and good for you thank mm-hmm. you thank mm-hmm. you yeah um i think people now i feel to... guilty no <laughs> well you can join in christine yeah never join, me. Late. join me <laughs> <laughs> it's never oh. too late okay right. so again it's, it's assumptions can be deadly dot ca correct to learn more, or you can uh, follow the lovely and talented Michael Moosey on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, do watch him on Kim's Convenience. Please, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> Please, we need Thank the ratings. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Thank us. Thank you for evening. having me. I really appreciate it. This is what she said. Stay with us. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? To a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being 
read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy to use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30 day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Boomer Nutrition Energy Protein Powder is the first protein supplement specifically designed for people over 40. Their research-based formula helps your body combat aging by maintaining lean muscle and slowing age-related muscle loss with added B vitamins for energy and leucine. Boomer Nutrition Protein Powder helps you increase metabolism and support a healthy lifestyle. Use code WSSRADIO at Amazon.ca to save 25%. Visit MyBoomerNutrition.com for details. Be ageless. Live your life with Boomer Nutrition. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. Back to What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. As we know it, but we feel fine because Eric Alper is oh. here with us, brought to you by Roar Records. And tonight, Eric is talking about the longest song titles in history. I just don't know how R.E.M. ever got through all the words of that one. Exactly. You know, I mean, that's a great example of that you can have a song and, you know, sometimes you can call it like it or you or the but you know but basically you know other artists have chosen to do very very long song titles and that is of course it's the end of the world as we know it which is based on a dream that lead singer michael stipe had and the dream featured him at a party with all of these people with the initials lb including lenny bruce and lester bangs with bowls full of jelly beans so one of the great streams of conscious songs out there It's really tough because I know that this is only a five-minute segment, so it'll probably take me five minutes to go through all the song <laughs> titles. It's called Standing Outside a Broken Phone Booth with Money in My Hand, and that is by One Hit Wonders, Primitive Radio Gods. They hit number two uh, back in June of 1996. The title is a reference from an otherwise unrelated song called Outside a Broken Phone Booth with Money in My Hand by Bruce Coburn. It has nothing to do with that <laughs> song, but the hook of the chorus comes from How Blue Can You Get by B.B. King. That's the part where... It's sung, I've been downhearted, baby, ever since the day we met. One of the longest song titles in history, but it's still not the longest one because there's this one. I can be a honey, when you're standing there, you're so excited. You can make 
can make me dance, sing, or anything. Even take the dog out for a walk, mend a fence, fold away the ironing board, or do any domestic shortcomings by the faces. It hit number 12 on the UK chart, <laughs> making it the longest song title ever to hit the chart there. And that's all I have to say about that because I want to get through this segment. <laughs> but that is the longest song title in UK history to ever break the chart. But it's still not the longest one because there's this one. A 98. Get rid of that running nose, that nagging cough, that sneeze, that chew, that wheeze, and other injuries. Take the wonder drug that cures all your ills. Take Jeremiah Peabody's polyunsaturated, quick dissolving, fast acting, pleasant tasting green and purple peels. Do I even have to say the title now? Do I, I have think to that say was it? Jeremiah Peabody's polyunsaturated, quick dissolving, fact acting, pleasant tasting green and purple pills by Ray Stevens. It's a takeoff on those shady snake oil salesmen back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, going door to door selling medicine that didn't even work. And that isn't the longest song no, title I know. in history. <laughs> that one has 104 characters, but it is pale in comparison to the longest song title in history to ever crack the chart. And it's this one. Told you once before goodbye, but I came back again. As a girl that she wanted to be, she said, baby, can't you see? I love this. That starts on 45, one of the very first breakthrough medleys that hit the pop chart. The full title is Intro, Venus, Sugar, Sugar, No Reply, I'll Be Back, Drive My Car, Do You Want to Know a Secret, We Can Work It Out, I Should Have Known Better, Nowhere Man, You're Going to Lose That Girl and Stars on 45. And here's the kicker. Because the record label wanted to use a mesh of current songs and Beatles songs in order for the Beatles songs to be re-recorded. There's a rule in the music industry that says that you cannot shorten any Beatles title whatsoever. So stars on 45, the record label wanted to use 16 Beatles songs. Well, lo and behold, they had to mention all of them. It was shortened just to stars on 45 for the single release. And actually, it the, the whole story of it is interesting because it comes from a guy walking into a Montreal disco in 1979 with that kind of my, a little bit of a, of a version like that. But the sound quality was so bad, it reached this DJ in Montreal. He sent it to some friends over in the, in the Dutch area and the Dutch community. They remixed it, got some Dutch sing-alikes and sound-alikes to do the Beatles, and it hit number one around the world, selling over 12 million copies. That is the longest song title to crack the charts in music history. They should, have taken, that- they should have taken a hint out of your daughter, who we had on yesterday. <laughs> her... her- title is momentous momentous now that's yeah. not the full title the full title is momentous <laughs> by an author who's 14 years old and you know no no the actual <laughs> title is called momentous how, but proud she had a theme are you? Song. how proud are you i Eric am Galver? so unbelievably proud but more importantly i'm proud that the producers had the wherewithal and the smarts to book her on this program <laughs> oh. way to go alex it's available now way to go alex well thank you so much thank you so much for having me on the record is brought to you by roar records download rise by elise saunders based on the heroic story of Olympian and Pan Am medalist Jessica Phoenix on iTunes and Spotify now.
Now is registered dietitian and personal trainer Angela Wallace from Eat Right, Feel Right. And tonight, can you guess what we're talking about? Sugar. <laughs> Welcome, Angela. <laughs> well, thank well, you. Start at the beginning, a very good place to start. Sure. What is sugar? So sugar is a type of energy is the best way to describe it for the body. So we do need sugar um, to fuel our body throughout the day. The issue is when we have too much of the uh, wrong types of sugar. And the wrong type of sugar is processed. Yes, processed and what I like to call added sugars. So the there are natural sugars, which you find naturally occurring in fruits or dairy products from lactose. And then anything that's added to a product to give it that sweetness would be an added sugar. So and is that wrong? The O's at the end? Like glucose, yes, that's one way to look at it. Fructose, anything with Zucrose, the yeah, exactly. Okay. And then there's all sorts of other names for it now, um, like cane sugar, rice syrups, um, all sorts of stuff. Where it gets a little tricky, I find, is we get confused uh, between natural added sugars. So things like honey Mm -hmm. and maple syrup, they are natural, but they're not a natural sugar. Like they're like the sugar that you find in fruit. Not naturally occurring. Exactly. Not naturally occurring. So are we saying that honey, which is made by bees, is not healthy? I don't want to say that, but it's still considered an added sugar. So even though it's a natural or unrefined source of sugar, it's still added to things to give it that okay. sweet flavor. Now, you said that our, body, our bodies do need some sugar. Mm-hmm. So what about recommended? There Are are there recommended daily amounts for naturally occurring sugars? Um, no, not and not in Canada for added sugars either. We don't have um, strict guidelines. The World Health Organization has a 10% of your daily calories as a max should come from added sugars. Um, so for a woman, that would look like about nine teaspoons of sugar and for a child, about six. And that would, again, be a, a max amount. Nine teaspoons of sugar would be... Our daily allowance? Our max. max. I would recommend less than that. I, th- I thought a spoon of sugar was like 50 calories. That's like 450 calories. That's a, not 10% a, of a our... A teaspoon is about 17 calories of sugar, right? Yeah, around there. Oh. Yeah. So, so 10 would be 170 calories if you were... Uh, well, 90, 90 spoons of sugar would be like like drinking a cup of sugar. No, nine. 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 Oh, I th- are you saying uh, nine? I thought you said <laughs> 90. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, how, how things have like, changed. Your math is bad if 10 is, is uh, no, no. 170. Yeah. So give us an example. Of, you, you have some, some here of how much sugar is in your average double-double. Yeah, so this is an average double-double if you were to get it uh, on the go. And there's about 16 grams of sugar, which is about four teaspoons. So it's not two teaspoons like we would think, a double-double, but it's about four. Um, it's so, double the double. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So four teaspoons of sugar. So if you had two of these in a day, you're already at your your max pretty much. Right. right? If you yeah. are someone who drinks two double-doubles in a day. Mm-hmm. What about other places where they sneakily hide sugar to make things taste better, like yogurt, yogurt, however you want to say it? Yes. Yeah, so I have a yogurt example here. This one has 11 grams of sugar, which is pretty standard for that small 100 gram container. And, you know, that that's, again, almost three teaspoons of sugar. So have a couple of those 
and there you go. You're and you're, you're done. Close. And never mind all the processed foods. When if you look at canned spaghetti sauce, it's oh. full of sugar. If you look at all kinds of things, yeah. There's sugar in almost everything now. It's really difficult to find things with low amounts of added so, sugar. So you would be allowed maybe one half a teaspoon of jam or half a huh. teaspoon of honey a day? Yeah, I, I kind of recommend trying to pick one sweeter snack throughout the day, and that should keep you within an appropriate range. So how do we satisfy our sweet tooth with healthier alternatives? That's Angela. A, that's a great question. Um, so fruit's always a, a good option, mm-hmm. except we don't want to load up on, you know, having eight to ten pieces of fruit a day. But you can have it in a smoothie. You can have it with some nut butter. I always say that's a, a great approach. Um, I've made uh, some energy bites. I like to do those. So these have uh, dates in them. Um, unsweetened coconut, almond butter, and then a little bit of dark chocolate. So I don't actually add any honey or maple syrup. And uh, they're quite sweet and a a good natural way to satisfy the sweet tooth. And then just finding things that have that that natural sweetness. So a trail mix with some dried fruit. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't want to have a ton, but if there's some raisins or dried cranberries in there. Okay, Angela, the operative word is not a ton, but you need to tell us who love sugar exactly (laughs) how many energy balls and how much of trail mix Mm -hmm. you can have. So it would really depend on your body weight, but trail mix, I say on average, a handful. So you're looking at a quarter cup to one third of a cup mm-hmm. would be an appropriate serving for the energy balls. I would say about two. So yeah, you don't want to be having, you know, five or six of them. Now you're, you're going to write up the recipe for the energy balls and, and yes. put it on our, on, on our website. I you? will for sure. And, and, and you are leaving those here. This evening, yes. Right? yes, yes. <laughs> They're for this you. Is good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Um, well, tell everyone where they can find you online. Of course, on our website, as you are our nutrition specialist. Yeah. You can find me at eatrightfeelright.ca or uh, eatright underscore RD on Instagram. Okay. And again, the recipe um, and some other tips will be up on our website at whatshesaidtalk.com. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah, thank you so much for joining us. This is What She Said. Stay with us. Everyone needs an edge to compete. At the Chang School of Continuing Education at Ryerson University, our courses and programs will equip you with skills that are in demand in today's workplace. Enroll now at the Chang School at Ryerson University, where ambition meets professionalism. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the Stand Up Drop-In series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com tc or call 416-340-7270. And now, more women-positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. Welcome back. From crafty cocktails to decor and take-home treats, our next guest is going to share her tips on how to create the ultimate holiday cocktail party. Great timing, as Kate, in fact, has one coming up. Um, If you haven't been invited, 
I guess I don't know. Yeah, that's I a problem now. That's a problem it? now. <laughs> yeah, we want to welcome party planning expert Monica Gomez from Toronto's Concierge Club. Hello, hello. Thank hello. you for having me. So. You've planned lavish parties for Cadillac Fairview, for Dragon's Den, even the Bieber family. (laughs) You're no stranger to a notable party. You're going to give us some creative ways to up our party planning game. But I have to ask you, can you logistically do this on a budget? I think you can. I think that um, I think you can do anything on the budget if you give yourself enough time. Um, a ah. lot of people wait until last minute, and when you do that, then you're kind of forced to go to probably the most expensive places, whereas if you give yourself enough time, then you can look online and shop around for the better deals. Mm-hmm. So where do you start? Where do you start? You, you, you decide you're going to have a party. Yeah. So what's then your next step? I think probably the first step would be to decide on a theme, and um, I usually always go to color theme first, and that kind of helps me with my inspiration. Um Big trends right now are black and gold, as well as rose gold and marble. Those are my two favorites right now. So I think once you have that color theme in mind, then you kind of build it out from there with all of your decor. So what would a theme be, for example? Well, a theme, for me, I'm not I'm not so much on a theme like what you would think when it comes to like kid party themes. I'm mm-hmm. more into color themes. That's kind of our thing. So um, there have been events, like when we did the Bieber event, that was definitely a theme, but it wasn't even just one theme. We did superheroes. We did um, live animals. I mean, we were all over the place, so it wasn't just one theme. Um, so for me, I think with some of the other events, the more high-end events that we do, we just start with the color theme, and that kind of builds out to what it's going to be like. I have a signature, if I'm doing a party, I usually have a signature drink, a yes. cocktail for the event. At, at, at Christmas time, it's my eggnog. Yeah. I, I didn't make it um, for one year, and people freaked. Like, we only <laughs> came for the eggnog. <laughs> Um, So is is that a way you can have sort of like a a signature cocktail or a couple of drinks and that's what you serve? Yeah, and um, we always work a signature cocktail into our events. So we'll always have, it depends what the event is, but if it's something that was like for Garolyn, it was kind of like a flowery kind of theme. So we made sure that all the signature cocktails had like rosemary or um, flavored flowers, edible flowers, that kind of thing. Um, I think you could do things with the black and gold theme where you would put edible gold flakes into the drink. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. We've done that for events. And um, another one which we're working on right now, we actually have dry ice drinks. And that's kind of a big trend. Oh, they theme. sort of smoke. Yeah, yeah, and you can get it. I mean, obviously, you have to handle dry ice with care. You have to wear gloves and all that kind of stuff. But they actually have companies now where you can buy dry ice straws. So the dry ice is protected inside of the straw. And then you just drop it into your drink and then magic happens. Wow. It's very cool. So what about decor? How much Mm -hmm. decor do you have to invest? Because we've talked before to people about Christmas, where the decor can actually get in the way of a big crowd of people and lots of food and drinks, where it's just everywhere. They have no place to put their drink. Yeah, I don't think that you want it to be like a decor explosion. I think there's definitely like a fine line. Um, balloons are really big right now. And I think that you can, balloons obviously couldn't get in anybody's way if you put them yeah. properly. Um, the big three inch or three feet balloons. Have you guys seen those? No. They're like big round three foot balloons. Those are big mm-hmm. right now. Everyone's using those. I've seen the big num- like numbers. Yeah, the numbers. The, yeah. Size. So and where the, do you put them on the ceiling? You can either put them so that they go to the ceiling or you can create like a balloon wall where you actually just like tape balloons to an entire wall. And then that kind of acts as like a photo opportunity as mm-hmm. well. Um, and you can even put confetti inside of the balloon. So if you get like clear white balloons, you fill it with confetti and that looks really beautiful. 
Mm, yeah. As long as you're not doing a gender reveal party yeah. in the middle. No, you see them popping the balloons and party going, yeah. <laughs> and the, can, yeah, the confetti goes everywhere. What about uh, flowers? Are they part of a decor Always. or is that to, oh, just dinner party? They oh, can no, get no. pricey we put, too. They can get pricey, yeah. And um, we actually have a really great supplier that we work with. We have flowers at everything that we do. Yeah. Um, all the events, there's always flowers. So but I if think it's that, Christmas, people always do poinsettias, don't they? Like, yeah, and I think that's kind of been there, done that. I yeah. think um, you could even step away from doing a traditional flowers and doing things like pumpkins or uh, even putting like vegetables on the table and creating like a harvest mm-hmm. table. I think that stepping away from your traditional flowers sometimes can be kind of cool. Now, you you also um, have a tip to engage your guests in an activity or provide entertainment to make it an even more memorable night. Yeah, I think because everybody just does your regular dinner and drink, so you need something that's kind of stepping outside of the box. Mm-hmm. Um, we always try to have something at the events that will engage the guests. So whether it's even having like a media wall, which we would call it, or a selfie station where you could have like cool props and then everybody gets engaged. You could have a hashtag that people are using so that way they're sharing to social. It just makes it a little bit more exciting for the guests. Mm -hmm. And everybody lives on social media now, so anything that you can put out that's Instagrammable, they're in. Yeah, and people are going to be taking photographs at your party, so you do want your decor to be... Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, you do want the decor to be nice and you do want... I mean, a hashtag's always fun. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about if you're having a party where pe- not everybody may know everybody yeah. to have name tags. Yeah. Sometimes we think that that's kind of cute. Um, it's not like, and you can even make the name tags look a little bit cooler than just like that sticker that says, hello, my name is. You can get creative. You can mix in your color theme with the name tag too. And it can be a little bit of an icebreaker because now the people actually know each other's name. And even when you're at events and there's so many different people there, let's be honest, you probably forget the person's name like five minutes after you've met them. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely cool to have that reminder. Mm-hmm. So how do you sort of uh, schedule or stack the food as it comes out? You start with appetizers and you're talking about uh, something where guests get involved maybe. Yeah, something a little bit more engaging. Like uh, it could be do-it-yourself, do-it-yourself uh, appetizers, snacks, and you have a little station set up, whether it's a taco station, and then just get everybody engaged in actually making the food as opposed to just bringing it out on platters. Mm-hmm. That's fun. And yeah. I love this one. I mean, because music is very important. So um, important. Um, you said host a playlist potluck. Yeah. Explain that. Well, I think it's neat because then you kind of see what everybody's different tastes are, and then you're playing something for everybody. Like we might like something that somebody else might not enjoy. So getting everybody involved to listen to the music that they would like is very neat. Not many people do it. Not Mm -hmm. many people would do that. They would just have their own playlist and Mm -hmm. leave it at that. So I think that once you get people involved and say on the RSVP, you can tell people, send back your three favorite songs. And uh, people love that. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. 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 But last but not least, now Christine is a bit bothered by this one. The swag. Yeah. Yes. I I mean, I do it for my children, but I'm at the point in my life where I don't want any more stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So do I really want to go and buy 60 bags of stuff? Yeah. And I think that when when you say swag, you got to make sure that it's something that the people would actually use or enjoy. So I think making it edible is a great one because chances are somebody is going to eat that. So whether it's like a muffin that they can warm up the next morning and have for breakfast, or if it's going to be a little mini bottle of champagne, something that you know they're actually going to enjoy. I agree with you. Like <laughs> giving away like erasers with names on it or whatever, like all or that stuff. Or vases or something. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like you have wa- 50 of them, so you don't need any more. Yeah. Um, but if it's something edible, chances are they're actually going to. Yes, your shortbread. 
Maybe I can just book you to make a whole lot of your shortbread for my oh, party. Yeah. <laughs> or you could, you could do your eggnog to go. Oh, yeah, that could be dangerous. Yeah. Little mason people jars. Could get, people could get arrested. <laughs> Actually, an open mason, container in the car. I would love a mason jar. A big, yeah. I would like a few mason jars uh, of a, your... Uh, there you go. Okay. So that, the, the, <laughs> the Concierge Club is a nationwide event and staffing agency. Where yes. can people find out more about the Concierge Club? Um, on, our web, on our website, it's www.theconciergeclub.ca. So how small or large? I mean, if you were having 50 people, is that too small for you? Like, what is your normal? No, I think it just depends on who the client is. Um, We would do something for 50 people, and we've done dinners of upwards of over 1,500 people. So I think we're just kind of all over the place, and it would just depend on who that person is. And do you handle everything from start to finish? Everything from everything. A to Z. And our motto is that we're the house of yes. So our clients come to us sometimes with crazy requests, and um, we always pull through with them. And how far ahead would someone have to book? Ideally, we like people to book a couple of months out, but the truth is in the event business, it's very last minute. And we've had major events that we had to put together in less than a month. The Bieber event was less than a month. Yeah, but I mean, you talk about weddings and people are planning a year ahead. A year in advance. We actually don't touch weddings. Oh, okay. Yeah, not right now. <laughs> I used to do weddings um, when I first started in event planning and it's just not really my thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well you've had, I mean, you've had well more than 10 years of experience yeah. and then you, you worked with other people and then you decided that you wanted to do something a little different, a little special, make yeah. it make it all, all your own. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how you do this because you have two small children as well. I do. My daughter actually is turning three today. It's her birthday. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a three-year-old daughter and my son is um, 16 months. Wow. Kids parties. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually (laughs) unfortunate that I am so busy. I don't have the time to plan the kids parties all the time, but I have an amazing family that helped me with the kids parties. Yeah. So that's great. That's wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you. I love the, the, the expression. We are the house of yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah. Clients do too. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much. And thank we hope you. to see you back. Absolutely. Thank you. This is what she said. Stay with us. Do you remember when you first fell in love with reading? Well, you weren't really reading, were you? No, your passion for books began quite another way. It was listening, wasn't it? To a story. Yes, your love of reading really got started when you were being read to. Kobo introduces audiobooks for the free Kobo app with a beautifully designed, easy-to-use player, one home for all your audiobooks and ebooks. Book lovers can listen to their heart's content for as little as $12.99 per month with subscription, and with a 30-day free trial, you get your first audiobook free. Sign up now at Kobo.com. Today's the day to try something new. Second City Training Center is home to North America's largest school of improv. Whether you're looking to build confidence through a public speaking class, test out some new material at the stand-up drop-in series, or just want to stop by and see what's up with improv, they'd love to have you. Visit them online today at secondcity.com TC or call 416-340-7270. What She Said is more than a radio show. Connect with us online at whatshesaidtalk.com where you can watch full interviews and quick cuts if you're in a rush, enter big giveaways, read articles from our guest experts, and so much more. Join the conversation on social media at What She Said Talk. And don't forget, if you miss a show, you can catch up on our free Apple podcast. 
subscribe and new episodes will automatically download to your device like magic. And now, more women positive news you can use. This is What She Said. What She Said with Christine Bentley and Kate Wheeler on Jewel Radio. What you are listening to is No Good For Me by Canadian pop artist Skylar London. Welcome to What She Said. Hi, thanks for having me, guys. So you are from London, Ontario, and you say that music has always been close to your heart since a very young age. So when did you first decide to pursue the career or did the career just grab you? Yeah, so the career actually just grabbed me. Um, I've always sang, like I've sang ever since I was, I want to say four, but I've never done anything professionally. Mm-hmm. So this just came into my hands and it's and it happened to be something that I love to do. Like I've always been passionate about singing, but I never, it wasn't reality for me that that would ever be something I would do for my career. Well, you started at four, but then you must have been in music class or no, or no, just sang around no, the house. No, I just sang or? around the house. I sang to my friends. Like that's that's about it. Like I never, I I did um, two performances in high school for like the Christmas assembly and the and the end of the year, but that's that's all I did, and I was super scared. I okay, was super I want to I want to hear the definition of. If this just came into my hands because there are a bunch of other people who love music who'd love to know how that happened. Yes. <laughs> so um, one of my um, family friends, mm-hmm. someone in my family, um, got me a lesson from Paula Griffith. She works in Toronto. And I drove up there and I met her. And I sang her a couple songs and she really liked me. So she introduced, she wanted um, me to get introduced to Angel, which is my uh, producer now. And um, we ended up meeting, and he liked me, and then it went off from there. And you just released your debut EP called Love Rebellion. Tell us about the meaning behind that name. Love Rebellion. Well, I've always been, always been a little crazy. <laughs> I'm a little rebellious, but um, that is what the rebellion stands for. But I'm a very, I'm a very lovable person. I'm a very, I'm a very. Um, You're responsibly rebellious. Responsibly now, yes, definitely. Isn't that not, a, not a great so term? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning the ways. I'm learning the ways. <laughs> so, how would you describe the feel of the album, your music, to someone who has yet to hear what you do? This album has a it has a variety of genres. So we have um, a couple. We have a couple um, R and B songs. We have a reggae song. We have like a dance mix song. So there's all. We have a slow. We have slow songs. So there's a variety of it, and I think, um, I think it's, I think a lot of people are going to like it just because mm-hmm. there's not one genre in it. So if you don't like one song, you might you might like the other. Mm-hmm. So what's next for you as an artist? Right now, um, I'm going to be doing a lot of training for um, performances and vocal training, and I believe that we are going on tour around Ontario for to raise awareness for anti-bullying. So that's that's all I know for right now. That's great. Well, thank you very much for joining us tonight. That is what she said for this weekend. We want to be sure you follow us on social media at what she said talk. And where do they follow you, Skylar? Instagram, 
Skylar London, Facebook, Skylar London Music, mm-hmm. and Twitter, Skylar London. And it's S-C-H-Y-L-E-R, yes. London. Okay, now we are going to hear uh, Reno Silva is going to be playing, accompanying you on guitar in our studio. And right now, let's just sit back and singing beautiful, here is Skylar London. Sitting there reminiscing about the old days Thinking about the times when she could get through a full day Without breaking down, without crying Without feeling like somebody's always watching her Waiting to see if she's gonna become finally what they thought she would be Girl, you're so beautiful Don't ever let them tell you that you ain't good enough Girl, you're so beautiful Take a look at you, cause it's right there If you promise not to give it away I can share a secret You see my baggage became too much to carry Waiting for them to notice while contemplating something heavy I made some choices, kept it moving on Even though I knew that I would be living wrong And with nothing else but songs I intend on rising up and bringing all my girls along Girl, you're so beautiful Don't ever let them tell you that you ain't good enough Girl, you're so beautiful Take a look at you, cause it's right there You gotta believe in how much you're worth it And why you deserve to be happy Oh no Hi, I'm Steve Yurko And I'm Tara Sands now available from Maji Media is our new podcast, Four Kids Flashback. Four Kids is the company who brought you the English dub of Pokemon in the late 90s and so many other shows like Yu-Gi-Oh!, Shaman King, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Kirby, the infamous One Piece dub, and so many more. We'll be talking to the people who worked at Four Kids. Actors, directors, writers, editors, producers, engineers, you get the point. And hopefully get the answers to questions both you and I have about the company. I actually worked there as a voice actor on some of the shows. And I was a kid watching the shows and remember way more than Tara does. And thank God for that. Steve is actually a professional storyboard artist, which gives some really unique insights into anime and animation. Subscribe today wherever you get your podcasts. That's the number four kids flashback. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's Take This Outside, a new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's Take This Outside, available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.